Welcome to We Chat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, Legal Liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of We Chat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution, offering divorce financial planning so clients can secure the divorce settlement they deserve. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to request access. Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I welcome Jessica Frew, ex-wife, mom, stepmom, and bold action taker and creator of Boldology. Our episode today is all about Go Bold, trusting your gut and finances after betrayal. In this episode, we're going to discuss the importance of knowing and understanding your finances, even in crisis. We'll talk with Jessica about creating a life you love, not no matter your circumstances. So welcome, Jessica. Hey, thanks for having me on today. Thank you so much for being with us. I feel like that intro um, got a lot of people's attention as resonating with them somehow. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, this is great. So Go Bold goes with you. And I'm so impressed just by first impressions with you today. So let me just tell our audience a little bit more about you, Jessica. You're co-host of a successful podcast called Husband in Law. You record that with your husband, Matt, and your ex-husband, Steve. And together you share your stories of love, marriage, coming out, divorce, remarriage, and co-parenting to help others know they're just not alone. You own The Bold Logic, a company devoted to helping people figure out the what now. Doesn't everybody ask that? What now? after crisis in their relationship or having a partner come out. So, so wonderful, Jessica, and so happy to, again, to have you here with us today. Yeah, thank you. So let's start out with your story, because if I just heard all of that, I definitely want to know your story. Yeah, it always gets people like, wait a second, what did you just say? Especially when I say host a podcast with my husband and my ex-husband, people are like, you can sit down with your ex-husband in a room and host a podcast. I'm like, yes. And we talk about all of the things, everything from um, co-parenting, obviously raising kids, mistakes we've made to sex lives to like, it's so funny. My husband was like, if you guys are going to do this podcast, meaning my ex-husband and I were going to do this. He's like, I want to be the moderator who asks like all the questions that people want to know. And so it's funny because sometimes he asks things and I'm like, oh gosh, this is so funny that my husband's asking my (laughs) ex-husband and I this, (laughs) but it works. That's great. (laughs) Yes. So a little bit about my story. My ex-husband and I were married for seven years, two years into our marriage he came out to me as gay. And there was kind of a process that went into that, but that is the short version of that. And at that point, he uh, didn't tell anybody else. His counselor was like, listen, you're dealing with all these other things, but until you admit to yourself that you are gay, you are not going to be able to process through these things. And so at that point, he could tell me, but he was so scared to come out to anybody else. We were raised in a very conservative Christian religion. 
And he just couldn't imagine anything else for his life except what we were living right then. And so we both were really happy in our marriage. We had fun together. We enjoyed each other's company. And we obviously felt very safe together if he was able to come out to me. And we wanted to continue forward. So we stayed married. We had a daughter five years into our marriage. And then um, two years after that, Steve ended up having an affair with a man, which I kind of knew might be part of this process for us. I wasn't oblivious to that. Uh, And we tried to work through it. We tried to make things work. And it was just a complete mess and a disaster. So we decided at that point, it was time to separate. And in that process, we really went through and kind of determined how we wanted our divorce to look. And people are always like, is this easier because he was gay? And then I'm like, it's still a whole shift of what you thought your life would look like. You are still going through this process of realizing this man cheated on me. He said he loved me, like all of the things that come up in this process. And so it was really hard. But in that moment, we both took some time and clarity to at least kind of decide how we wanted this to look and navigated that uh, and kind of came up with a plan of what our divorce life would look like. And it's really been beneficial to us. I mean, our dreams were that we would be able to stay friends, that we would be able to invite our partners into a friendship like with us, like we could basically stay family. And we really put all of this energy, I would guess, out into the world that hopefully we could make this work. And I've been remarried now for 10 years and I have two stepkids and my daughter, mine and Steve's daughter is now 14, which just blows my mind. She was two when we got divorced. Um, And we've really been able, and Steve has a current partner he's been with, I think for like two and a half years now, who I absolutely love and adore. And we spend holidays together. We do birthdays together. We've really Um, anything that Penny, our daughter, is excited about and wants her parents at, I'm so grateful that we can all be there and it gets to be about her and not about us. She doesn't have to worry about all of us being in the same room together. Um, It's been a lot of work. It's been a lot of attention. And I also know that it does not work for everybody. We have a very different relationship with Matt's ex-wife, my husband's ex-wife, and it's okay. It's what works best for the kids in that situation. So I always put that disclaimer out there. Like we get that this does not work for everybody. So there's a general overview of our story and where we're at today. Well, you you know, you tie that up in a nice big red bow and, and people are probably saying, wow, she makes it sound so easy. But truth be told, we know it has not been easy, right? But I do it's like not. the question. And I think it's a really fair question that people ask you is, was it easier because he was gay? Because a lot of times it's that jealousy of the uh, the affair, the relationship, but it still is a violation to what you two have agreed to, right? So I do believe if both parties want to come together and be amicable and really try to do the hard work to do what's best for your daughter, it can be done. You just have to have both parties. And it's nice that you respected, first of all, it's nice that you were a safe space for him. And I think that safe space allowed you to move beyond right? hundred percent. And that's a lot of, you know, you should be proud of yourself for that, for providing that. And then for him too, the the opportunity to be vulnerable, you know, and come to you because we have a lot of people that come to us, they're 20 years into the marriage and they just found out their spouse is gay and it goes on both sides. Right. And they feel like, why didn't they tell me so long ago? 
Right. Oh, it's it's such a hard thing to go through. It's such a hard process to navigate of having a partner come out. And it is, it's different. That's what I always tell people. Like you can't compare divorce, trauma, betrayal, like any of those things. It's just a different experience for everybody. There's similar feelings, there's similar emotions, but it's a different process and experience for everybody involved. And yes, I work with women on the daily who they're 10, 15, 20, 30 years into their marriage. And they're like, I just wish they would have felt safe to tell me that they were gay or any of these things. So I don't take that for granted that Steve was able to come and express that to me. Um, and that I was able to honestly to kind of prepare myself for what may happen in our relationship. I And I own that I made the choice to stay, which I also think in ways made it easier when we went through the divorce of knowing I opted into this, knowing he was gay and that this might be the result. And so I have to own that too. Like I made a decision. Okay. I mean, that was your time period that you had to actually process. I mean, he had known for years he was gay, right? So Mm -hmm. he was ready at that moment. You, it's just like anyone who comes and says, I want a divorce tomorrow. You know, they're emotionally ready because they made the statement, but how about the receiver of that information? Yeah. You, know, you yep. have to give them that time to catch up to them emotionally, which is why I love our process when it financially speaking, because mm-hmm. they, we get to go through the process at their pace and make sure that, you know, attorneys are not jumping to file things before anybody's ready. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody has their own pace. That's the thing that I always come back to. People are like, well, how long did it take you to like be friends with Steve or like work through finances or whatever? I'm like, this is unique to every individual, to every situation. I can give you what we did, but I don't want people to compare. Like this is just an overview of what has worked for us. Uh, But you have to trust your gut and lean into what feels right for you and your situation. I love that you said that. And Catherine, I love that you said, you know, taking it at your own pace. I love, Jessica, what you said about um, owning whatever piece of the relationship that you bring to the table, because I think a lot of people um, in a, even in a betrayal situation, but certainly in a betrayal situation, they're not able to bring any of their, I don't know if you would call it responsibility, but any of their contribution to the table. And so that, you know, then then there's that disconnect. And at the end of the day, you know, there are telltale signs. We all married who we married, knowing things that sometimes we just wanted to put blinders on, different things like that. And not that it makes it right or wrong, but I love that you said you owned whatever you contributed to the relationship. And I think that's a really important factor because then when you're entering divorce, then you're starting on that premise of of the it, right? Right or wrong, it doesn't matter. And then it's less um, acrimonious, I would think. And it's actually so empowering to own that you made a decision in there, to own your part of it. It doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't mean you were weak. It doesn't mean you did something wrong. It doesn't mean any of that. It leaves you empowered to recognize, okay, I made decisions here that got me to this point. And that means I can make decisions now to move me forward, to move me out of this situation. So it's just a very empowering thing to actually own the parts of it that you played into acknowledging that you knew there was something off 
and you still stayed because you were waiting. We often wait for the proof. That's what I found with women is we're like, I knew something was wrong. I knew something was off. I waited until I had the evidence. And then I was like, okay, I'm out. I'm like, okay, but you could have acted years ago if you wanted to. And so you own that you stayed knowing something was off because you were waiting for that validation. You don't need the validation if you want to leave. That's fine. Um, but it's not wrong that you stayed as long as you did to receive that. So it's it's empowering to own your part, to own your your side of things. It leaves you feeling better and more empowered on the other side. You know, we talk a lot to particularly women who after lengthy marriages, they come to us and they're so financially embarrassed. You know, if their spouses were gay and came out or their spouses just cheated on them, there was a reason why they are at the divorce process, they think in their minds. And a lot of it, they harbor guilt or what have you. But then when you start talking about the financial piece, you know, they shrink a little bit more because they're embarrassed. Like, oh my gosh, I never paid attention to any of that. Or, you know, that wasn't my role. And to to watch them then transform, to take that power into their own hands, to get the financial knowledge that they need, you know, that's that's they need to find that boldness to do that. So how do you help people find that boldness when you're talking to them? So one of the things that I always come back to as people are going through the divorce process and separating and going through all of the things is you really need to trust your gut. And I come back to this every time. I'm like, you need to make decisions that are in in line, like in line with what you are feeling, what you know you need, regardless of, and we're not like going to disregard our finances, but like sometimes we have to take that element out of it to see what the next step is forward. And then things like fall into place financially. Like it's such a weird concept, but it really does. When you trust what is right for you, things start falling into place. Resources become available or you're more apt to go find them because you're like, I know this is the action I need to take. I need this financial support right now. What resources do I have? Who can I contact to find those? And so I think that when we when we don't just keep saying, oh, but I, I don't have that. I don't have a checking account. I didn't have that role in my, my relationship. I don't know how to find those resources. I call bullcrap. I'm like, okay, yes, that might be the truth, but also you are capable of doing that now. You can walk into a bank and open a checking account. You can like start and take it one step at a time, like one little step at a time. Figure out how to, okay, I'm going to open my own checking account. And dang it, that is going to leave you feeling empowered and like, I did this. Like, I can do this. And then you are going to take the next right step. But it comes down, like I said, like trusting your intuition, which we have shut down in our lives over and over again. And especially if we're going through a divorce, there's probably some way that we have been shutting down our intuition for years in our marriage, and our relationship. Um, and so now we have to listen to that and act in accordance with it. Like, I mean, I made a decision after our divorce to move. We were living in Oklahoma at the time. We owned a rental home, like a very small little home in Boise, Idaho, which was home. And I am like, I'm moving back there. I know that's totally crazy, but that's what I'm doing. And I'm going to figure it out. And it ended up, I never paid rent or mortgage or anything because of 
our unique situation until I got remarried. Like I never had to. When things like started getting stressed or crazy, something came up that supported me in that part of my process. And so when I truly believe that when you put that energy out there and listen to what's right for you, there comes a response. There comes like some lady offered to let me come live in her house for a year during when I was single. And I was like, are you kidding me? She's like, I need somebody to stay there and just pay the bills. And I'm like, done. I'll pay all of the bills, utility bills. Things happen, but you have to be willing to put it out there. And part of that means owning your story in this of like, hey, this is where I'm at. I need some support. (laughs) And it can be that. And that is still empowering because you are taking action towards what you want. You know, I, I was, I, you know, I'm a firm believer of what you put out there. I'm a silver lining kind of girl, but you know, we were, I was raised, my mom was always listen to your gut, listen to your gut. It'll never lie to you. Right. And I remember when I went through my divorce, I didn't have an income at that time. And anywhere Mm -hmm. I could go live, I was like, oh my God, I can't bring my kids here. What am I going to do? And I went to like seven, eight places. And instead of staying in the home, because I knew it was right for me to get out of the home, Mm -hmm. I had this one last ditched effort. I looked in the newspaper and there was a woman who was advertising her place because her mom was moving in with her. And I went to her. And I literally just laid it out there. You know, I cried. I said what I was looking at. And I just, I just was so vulnerable with her. She said to me at the end, you know, I'm going to call you back because you don't have income verification. So she calls me back and she says, you know what? Your story just touched my heart. And my lawyers told me not to do it because I might never get you out of it, out of it. My family, my friends, how are you doing that? You can't trust she's going to pay you. Even though I was paying six months down, um, she said, but I trust you and you were willing to share that with me. And so she let me move in and she didn't want me to move out. Like after I moved out, she was like, please don't leave. Like I kept it so good. And I never, I never forgot that because there are really good people out there who just need that little bit of uh, yes. trust, right? If somebody's willing to own their situation and share it with you, listen, she listened to her gut and she let me do it. And it worked out for all of us. It really was that transition I needed. And I'll be forever thankful. We still text each other every once in a while, um, you know, to this day, which was gosh, 10 years ago. Yeah. Gosh, 10 or 11 years ago. I love that. And I have chills listening to it because you took that action of trusting that this is not the place I need to stay, even though financially it probably felt like There's no option. Like I have to stay in this home, but also your gut and your emotions are screaming, you can't stay here. Like this is not a safe, healthy place. And you leaned into that and things do work out. Like it's not going to be the way you imagined. It's not going to be perfect. And sometimes it takes a longer timeline than you think, but things happen when we listen to what it is we really need. I so love that you said that too. I have a little bit of a different story but I was only 30 years old. My kids were small and I had to get out of a very unhealthy space. And my family was not willing to help me because it was against Mm. our religion. Right. So I didn't have my family, my church family, anyone. So my work family said, we will go with you. We'll get a moving truck because I needed the kids clothing. I needed my clothing to get back into the house. And he wouldn't let me back in the house. So we go with a moving truck when he's at church, although he got tipped off and showed up. (laughs) And so I'm taking my stuff and he calls the DA. And so that was really scary. All the 
police and sirens there. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm I'm in big trouble here. (laughs) But they showed up and they said, let her take her stuff. So I got to take my stuff. And to your point of just taking the next step and being bold at 30 years old to have to break into your own home to get your stuff and then, you know, be at risk of being arrested. But it does work out. And um, but we're not advising you to go break into your no. house right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um, but you know what? There are certain things that you do do that are bold. That, yes. you know, you, you take a risk and think things do work out. I love that yeah. you said that. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it doesn't matter what it is. It feels scary. But on the other side of that fear is the peace that you're looking for. Even though things are hard, even though it's emotional, there is a weird peace that comes when you at least lean into the things you know you need to do and you take that scary next move. And it's putting that, I you know, faith over fear. We hear that all the time. It's putting that faith in what you're feeling of faith and okay, I am going to trust myself. I most likely haven't been, and now I'm going to, and it's going to feel so good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess I was lucky that my attorney was there with me, but. (laughs) Well, and it's honestly, in some ways, maybe lucky he called because they probably also protected you from anything he was going to do, even though he thought he was getting some protection for himself. Probably not. Yeah. You're probably there protecting you in that moment of realizing, okay, this is, they could see what's going on. People feel the truth. People understand, even if it's not immediate, they will come around and realize, oh my gosh, I know who's the person lying here and where the disconnect is. Yeah. So Jessica, we're talking about, or we have talked earlier in our um, communication today or a conversation today about being betrayed by someone else. But you also talk about betraying yourself. And we see that in the financial world. But let's talk a little bit about how do you betray yourself? How does that happen? And what does that look like? So self-betrayal often comes, I mean, it comes in so many forms, but it's often the predecessor to betrayal in your relationship, whatever form that is. In my case, it was Steve, my ex-husband was in self-betrayal. He was betraying who he was. And ultimately that ended our relationship. Um, But oftentimes we, especially as women, have been taught that we need to show up in a certain way. We need to be, you know, this is how it looks to be a good wife, to be a good partner. This is how it looks to be a good mother. And in that we lose what it actually is we want and need. And so we are showing up, I call it perfect partner syndrome. We are trying to show up in all of the ways to kind of convince this person that we're worth staying. We're trying to convince people in our lives that we are amazing and that we are doing it all right and all of these things because all of these shoulds have been put on us of how we should do life, how we should look. I'm always doing air quotes with shoulds um, because it, it's so true. And so when we are living into the shoulds of what we think our life should look like or what we think our partner wants us to be doing, we are in self-betrayal unless it's truly in alignment with who we are. But probably nine times out of 10, maybe even more than that, 
the shoulds are not in alignment with what actually feels right and genuine to who we are. And that looks different for everybody. Being bold, like I, this is where it's you're being bold is by living in alignment with who you are. Being bold doesn't look like me. I People see me and I'm like, yes, I am a little loud. I'm a little colorful. I don't know if I'm necessarily loud, but I'm, I speak <laughs> up I, and I share and I put things out there. That's not for everybody. Being bold looks unique to each of us individually. Just as we shared three different stories here of what we, how we moved out of our situation from our partners, like how we divorced, like that was bold and different for each of us. But it's when we don't lean into those things that we're in self-betrayal and that get us in deeper and deeper. And the farther we get into self-betrayal, the more our body physically screams at us, the more we are sick, the more tired we are, the more um, like I've gotten, I still struggle with it because of this, but like lockjaw, like I have TMJ because I was living, it was actually when I got remarried, living in self-betrayal. And so we, our body is like screaming at us when we are in self-betrayal as well. So it comes up, you know, you're in it because first of all, you can feel it. There's something you're denying in you that you know is there, whether you want to be honest with yourself about that or not. Um, And then we start to physically feel that in our bodies because we are betraying what it is we need to do. So self-betrayal comes in all sorts of forms from what we eat to what we wear to how we move our bodies and exercise, um, our religion, our jobs, like it can come up in any area of your life. It's all, it's just where you decide you are betraying yourself. And we do make a conscious decision that we are betraying ourselves. People will say, well, I just didn't know what I wanted. And I'm like, but you did. You didn't listen and act on it. And we go quiet. If we're not listening to ourselves, we're going to start being quiet and just give up trying to help. But physically, we still feel it. So there's a little bit the tip of how we betray ourselves. There's so much that goes into it. And the last thing you just said was, you know, so true with people going through divorce where they they are portraying themselves and they know what's right and wrong, but they're listening to others. You know, we have so many people who my sister told me to you know, do this. My brother told me to do this. My attorney's telling me to do this. My mm-hmm. spouse is telling me to do this. My kids are telling me to do this. And of all those five things, there's maybe a little piece in each of them that they agree with, but they end up side just whoever's the loudest or the more forceful is the one they're listening to. And they walk away from that. And so we've just, you know, there's so many people just me personally, and I'm sure the two of you as well can attest to this is that they're five years out of their divorce process and they probably got financially screwed. And they say, oh God, I wish I would have known you five years ago. But when you talk to them, they knew that these red flags were already there. They just never acted on them, Um, which is why we work tirelessly now to, to help people understand that this is their divorce. They are entitled to this information you know, whether or not it's going to be divided to them or not, or which way, that's not the point. The point is get the information. So you make those good decisions for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And the inf- the real information, not like you're saying the information from your mom, your sister, your aunt. Like I always say, part of the framework that I teach is silencing the noise around you, which means silencing social media, silencing your mom, silencing your aunt, like whoever you're taking this information in from, 
it's okay for it to be there, but you have to listen to your own voice. You have to let it be the loudest in your life over anything else, which is like when Steve and I went through the divorce, part of why I got really quiet with myself of like, what is it I want on the other end of this? Like, ultimately, I didn't want to get divorced, of course, but like I now, this is my reality. How do I want it to feel? How do I want it to look? And I go back to the feelings a lot because getting to that feeling, having those feelings can go so many different ways. You just never know. Um, And what do I want for my daughter? And getting clear on that and just telling my family, like, I understand if it's going to take you time to understand why I'm making these decisions. Like, I can give you time to catch up. I can give you time to, to process through this. But this is ultimately what I've decided and feels right for me right now. It might not always be this way, but this is what's the next right step for me. You can support me or I'm not going to listen to your input. And it's hard. There were a couple big fights. In fact, my brother and I just talked about one the other day and I was dying. I was like, Zach, (laughs) this is way behind us. It was such a good learning moment and you came around, but we were... Like, it's okay. You were protective of me. You were trying to love me. You were trying to make sure I was doing what's best for me. But ultimately, I was very clear with them. Like, this is the path I'm taking. You get on it or you're not going to be at Penny's birthday parties and you're not going to be at Christmas and you're not going to be at these things. So you you can take time, but ultimately, this is what I'm telling. Like, this is my decision. Um, so we really have to silence those things and listen to the people that are resonating with you and that actually know what they're talking about. And even the people who might know what they're talking about, sometimes you're like, this doesn't feel right to me. And that's okay. You get to speak up about that and say, you know what? Financially, this doesn't make sense in our divorce decree. People like when we got our divorce, they were, our attorney was like, this is not normal. And I'm like, I don't care if it's normal. This is what we're doing. And he's like, okay, we'll see if the judge signs off on it. And they did like, it doesn't mean it's going to work yeah. that way every time, but you get to speak up. And even if it's not exactly what they're saying financially are the numbers, you get to have a say in that still, like speak up. Yeah. And you know, Jessica, we talk about the voices of our external environment, right? But I believe a lot of people, including me, have multiple voices inside our heads, Right. Yes. And especially when they're divorcing because they've um, become accustomed to listening and adopting information, especially from their spouse. A lot of in the clients that we help, um, you know, well, he said this or he's going to be mad at me or all of these things. And then kind of dissecting those voices to identify, well, which one is yours? It's which yours. one is your yep. true voice? Mm-hmm. And that. I think is something that can play into this whole self-betrayal too, because it's just easier to go to the default of he's going to be mad at me, or I don't deserve this, or, or I can't bring myself to do this because of X, Y, and Z. A hundred percent. And I always like one of the other things in the framework that I work with women on, because ultimately it just comes back to trusting ourselves. That's what I am Mm -hmm. teaching us how to do again, because, or maybe for the first time ever in our lives. Uh, And so we start with the trust your gut challenge is what I call it. Mm -hmm. And because we have to start hearing that voice, we have to recognize it and understand what it is. And I start people off. I'm like, listen, for two weeks, you are going to message me every day 
and tell me how you trusted your gut one time in today, how you heard it and how you acted on it. So what clothes you're going to wear, what food you want to eat. Like, I don't care what your kids want to eat. What is it you want to eat? Get clear on that one thing. And it's amazing to me how often we can't do that. My stepdaughter the other day, I it was just the girls at home. Her dad was out of town for the weekend. So it was the three of us. And I said, you guys get to pick one restaurant that we're going to this weekend. You each get to pick one. And she's like, well, I want to go to this restaurant, but I know Penny doesn't love it. And I know blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, you get to pick whatever restaurant you want. We will figure out food to eat there if it's not our favorite thing. Like this is... We have to be clear on that without other people's opinions coming in. And so that's one of the ways that we can start hearing that voice is just by the little things in our life. And then we start hearing it clearly when something big happens. It's like, oh my gosh, I know this scares the hell out of me, but I can feel this. I'm going to act on it. So it's like that little process of regaining, like helping that voice have a clear space in our in our head, in our life, in okay, our what's body. your cell phone number? I need to start texting you every morning. <laughs> Girl, let's do it. Like I am here for oh that. My God. It's I love such that. a powerful process. It's like such a little thing, but it's huge. I mean, like even this morning, I stood in front of my dresser and I'm like, what do I want to wear today? Because it genuinely changes how we show up. If I put on something that I feel good in or that feels good for today, I get to be more focused on you guys and the other people in my life because I'm not uncomfortable. I'm not worried about what I'm wearing. I'm not thinking about it like, oh, is this dressy enough? Is this like what I should look like? The shoulds are gone. I'm like, no, this is how I chose to show up. This is what feels good. And I don't think about myself. I think about myself less because I acknowledged what I wanted and needed in the moment. Yeah, I always feel like you need to dress how you want to feel or be treated, right? It's so true. I've raised my kids like that, you know, just from even I, one time I went to the mall with my daughter. She she was in that tweening mood. My my kids are a lot older than yours. And and she came down the stairs and she was we were running late and she had like sweatpants and I don't go out in sweatpants, sweatpants yeah, yeah. and sweatshirt. And I and I'm like, how do you feel? She goes, Mom, let's just go. We have to go. And I could tell, like she wasn't. Mm-hmm. So we go to the mall and she is kind of a little grouchy during the whole thing. I'm not having fun at all. And I'm a shopper. And we go into the store and she puts this outfit on and you could just see she starts smiling. She's feeling good. And and she goes, come on, mommy, can I have this outfit? And I said, okay. She goes, and I said, only if you change into it, I'm going to, I'm going to pay for it. You can stay here in the dressing room. You change into it because I'm putting the other outfit. She goes, oh my God. (laughs) You know, <laughs> she, she changed into it and her mood was different. We had a nice lunch. We had, so she'll still tease me about that to this day, you know? So now Sorry. when I walk out with something sloppy on and she goes, are you going to I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that's okay. And what we need, but it just really depends on what, how we want to show up. And your daughter's going to remember that shift that she felt and like the, okay, this is what my mom meant. This mm-hmm. is those feelings that I want to have. And we we take that away from our kids at a young age of saying things like, oh, that didn't hurt that bad. It's not that big of a deal. You shouldn't feel that. It's going to be fine. And we think we're helping or solving something, but really we're shutting down our kids' intuition. And I, I am guilty of this. Like I have to catch myself on a regular basis. 
but like it's fostering that in ourselves and our kids. We have to keep going in fostering that connection to our intuition. Yeah. And, you know, financially speaking, I help um, people with their budgets all day long. And so coming to an income and expense discussion with me can sometimes feel like they they think it's a confession session. <laughs> but you know what? To your to this very point, I encourage them to say, look, let's just identify what it is first. There's no judgment. If you buy, you know, 50 pairs of shoes a year, but no one's judging that. It is what it is. But guess mm-hmm. what? You get to understand why you're doing it. And then you get to decide if you're going to continue to do it or you're going to edit it for another reason. So, you know, I think just showing up and owning, yeah, I, you know, go, I use Uber Eats every night. Okay. So that's what you do, right? Let's just own it. And then you get to decide what you want to do with that behavior and information, whether you want to continue it for a variety of reasons or you don't want to do it. But Mm -hmm. I love that you empower people to just be bold in whatever it is they are and then from there, move forward. That's excellent. And Karen, Karen I think I'm, you just- I'm going to oh, take the next five days off, Karen. I'm being really bold with Jessica on here. <laughs> Sometimes you, that's what we need to like show up as our best selves on the other end. Like you're going to, if you did that and that's what you honestly need, you're going to come back to work on fire and get the things done that you actually need to get done. Instead of them taking hours and days it's going to be like, I got that done. I got that done. Yeah. Um, and Karen, one of the things going back to what you just said that I wanted to bring up earlier and I forgot, but it touches on this is the shame that we carry around our finances, around our story that often keep us so stuck when we're in the thick of it. Like Catherine, think if you hadn't shared with that lady on the phone, your story, when you were looking for that apartment, because you carried shame around it your trajectory would have been completely different. And so when we can just own that this is our life, this is our story, it's empowering and it opens up those doors. And financially, like, if we don't own where we're at, it it keeps us stuck too. And I own that, like, even in dating, I was honest with guys, like, listen, I have I'm living off of my alimony and my child support, which I shouldn't even be getting alimony because we were only married seven years, but we agreed to it. And I am utilizing food stamps right now because the most important thing right for me, and I was offered great jobs after we got divorced. I could have worked like more than I did. I worked, but the thing that was most important to me was to take care of my emotional well-being and my daughters. Like I wanted to keep things consistent for her. And I put that out there. Like I don't have a ton of money. (laughs) I think, and it just, it didn't matter. If they had issues with that, of my priority, of me making the priority my daughter, because that's what I valued at that time, then I knew they weren't the right person for me. Like it gives us clarity in so many ways when we own those things. So it's it's really that process of taking the shame out of it and just understanding, I know this is what feels right for me. I know this is my story and it's okay because everybody has a story that they're carrying or carried shame around. And you know what? The more I own mine, the safer space it is for other people to own theirs. Um, And we can make those financial decisions of like, okay, I'm feeling shame around this. Why? 
Do I need to? Do I need to shift something? Or is it just who I am? And I love this about myself, but I've been told it's not who I should be. So we get to understand that and ask ourselves those questions and change the dialogue we're holding around it. You know, we have a lot of people that come through our process and they're thinking divorce. You know, Mm -hmm. their spouse doesn't know and they're thinking and, uh, you know, they just want to know what it's going to look like if they were to get divorced. And so we're really a financial exercise. You know, we're not attorneys. Mm -hmm. We don't file for divorce. We go through the financial piece. And some get the awakening of, oh my gosh, there's, I don't have to be financially controlled. I'll be okay on my own. And the yes. others get, right? Or they get the epiphany that, okay, so maybe he wasn't really cheap. He was just saving for our retirement because now mm-hmm. we have retirement money that I never knew we had. Or, you know what? My life is going to be different afterwards, but after doing their budget work, okay, I see what I can cut out and what I can keep in there. And I, I understand how that's going to work. So now I feel like that's a really strong gut reaction to the information that you received because we back it all by data. We're a data-driven company, right? So, but when you can balance the emotion with the data, yeah, your path forward, whichever way you go, you're going to make it happen. It's it's going to happen yes. in a positive way for yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's empowering. If you, if you, people are so afraid to tackle the financial part of it, to see the numbers. And I'm like, if you don't see the numbers, you don't actually know where you're at or what you could do. You need the clarity to understand how to move forward. Brene Brown, one of my favorite things I always come back to that she says is clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And it applies to everything in your life. If you are clear about where you are financially, what the numbers actually look like, then you get to move forward with kindness for yourself and for the other person, for your kids, because you are clear about it. Like it is the most kind thing you can do to your, in your life is to get clear about where you're at with these things. Well, I, I think that. we can end with just that. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so this does conclude our episode today about go bold, trusting your gut and finances after betrayal. Jessica, I feel like we could talk with you for hours, but thank you so much for being here with us today. And how can our listeners find you and learn more about you? Yeah. So I am very active on Instagram at Hey Jessica Frew. I host a podcast with my husband and ex-husband. You can find that on any podcasting platform. It's called Husband-in-Law. And I think those are like my two main things. Also, if you are like, I need to trust myself again after betrayal, I, I need to, or any crisis in your relationship. I always say crisis just because there's so many different ways that we experience that. Uh, you can go to theboldlogic.com forward slash free workbook and get a workbook that will get you started. Just a little jumping off point to starting to trust yourself again. Thank you, Jessica, for a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. If you're considering divorce, make sure to protect your wealth with divorce financial planning from My Divorce Solution. Our certified divorce experts will help you untangle your finances and understand your settlement options so you can negotiate your marital assets with confidence. Protect your financial estate with divorce financial planning. Visit MyDivorceSolution.com to see if you qualify to work with our financial divorce experts. That's MyDivorceSolution.com for expert divorce financial planning. Thanks for joining us on another episode of We Chat Divorce. 
We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you're looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to mydivorcesolution.com for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.